It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It has been three years plus a day since the Toronto Raptors won the NBA championship. And on today's show, we're going to look back at the championship and talk about how it's aging. How is it holding up? Does it look like a particularly memorable championship in the eyes of the casual NBA observer? Are we kind of looking through rose-colored Canadian glasses, considering how many damn times we see the Kawhi Leonard shot on NBA TV Canada? We'll talk about all that with Vivek Jacob coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1194 of Locked on Raptors for Tuesday, June the 14th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. And, of course, you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcast in audio form. You can also go to YouTube and subscribe to the show over there. Just the big red subscribe button. It's screaming at you. You can't miss it. If you support the show that way, it's uh, very, very much appreciated as well. And you get to see my face every single day, which, uh, you know, I guess that's good or bad, depending on your perspective. Either way, today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at Arcade 1-Up. Bring home a slam dunk. Introducing NBA Jam Shaq Edition from Arcade 1-Up. Pre-order now to play with legends. Arcade 1-Up is the place for authentic gaming experiences featuring licensed retro games from the golden age of arcades. More on them a little bit later on. Probably our coolest sponsor ever. Uh, we'll get to that in a sec, but 
we're also going to get today to a conversation about the Toronto Raptors 2019 NBA title and how it's aging, how it's holding up in the annals of NBA history. Have the things that have happened in the years since improved its stature among sort of, you know, memorable titles throughout history? We'll get to that on today's show with our pal Vivek Jacob, who just before we popped on was housing a bowl of cereal. Big V, uh, what were you having? Oh, just some good old Vector. Vector? <laughs> no, no, Vector? Wow! Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's an old man it. cereal, is it not? I, I appreciate I am an old man. to the old man cereal. No, no, uh, I, look, I eat oatmeal uh... crisp and stuff like that. So, uh... <laughs> I'm an old man, so it's Vector and bananas and a few blueberries in there. And Look at that. Getting some protein in you? What a wonderful <laughs> start to the day. It's far better than my uh, start to the day, which is usually like a piece of toast smothered in peanut butter and some coffee, and then another coffee. Uh, <laughs> it's very unhealthy over here. Either way, uh, very excited to have you today for this uh, sort of sprawling, ethereal kind of conversation about the Raptors championship. Of course, yesterday, three years since the Raptors won the title. Today is three years since we recorded our championship reaction episode, which I actually went back and listened to yesterday. Uh, not, not bad, actually. It was episode number <laughs> 534, which is like 700 episodes ago now, which is crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, nuts. But it was, uh, you know, pretty. I thought we did a pretty good job living up to the moment, even if my voice sounds weird in the past. But maybe that's just what everybody thinks about their voice when they hear them on tape from three years ago. Uh, either way, I, I wanted to just sort of talk about the Raptors title and how it's aged, how it's holding up. Um, and, you know, just sort of the, the stature it holds among recent NBA championships in the league. And look, there, there's certain teams that are always going to kind of have a little bit more memorable clout, right? Like the Warriors, they've won three, potentially four now, and they're dynastic. They're always going to be the team that's sort of remembered more than the one-off title winners. But I do think at least my sort of original hypothesis is actually the Raptors title is aging exceptionally well through three years. And there's a few reasons for that, but I'm curious sort of your perspective on it. How do you view the Raptors title? It's obviously difficult. We are just in the Raptors bubble, right? And so it's always difficult to sort of see from the outside and get the outside perspective. But it seems to me like a lot of things point to this being a very memorable title that's going to stand the test of time. Uh, personally, yes. I think within Canada, yes. It was an awesome title run. I think, uh you know, even right from the beginning, losing that game one and having that narrative kick in right away and all of the Raptors fans worst fears. And then you go ahead and you sweep them. Yeah. And then the way that Philly series played out, um, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about after you suggested this idea is in terms of how this team ages. Yeah. I think part of why uh, people across the border don't give it the give this team the credit it deserves is because a lot of them remember that Raptors Sixers series, right? Where the complementary pieces did not maybe perform to the level of their reputations. Um, sure. And so, uh, if when when you watch those Bucks and warrior series that's when watching those two series you're like man that is like a really great great championship team that's when you think of those performances and you're like hmm 
if they went up uh, up against another <laughs> champ, like how would that series go down? Yeah. Right. I think there were still enough doubts in that Sixers series in terms of the way some guys were performing. And I think that's what that's where maybe this uh, team gets shortchanged a little bit in terms of how people across the border remember this team. I think that's fair. I, I do think, however, that, that a few things have happened in the intervening years to kind of, I think, a maybe kind of explain away a little bit more the struggles of that Sixers series, which again, they won. So like how much did they actually struggle? And also to just sort of beef up the overall sort of credentials of that Raptors team in, in general. Like I think, A, the fact that they won 50, what, what was it? They run like a 63 win p- pace or something like that in the bubble shortened season uh, before COVID knocked everything out. Like they were ridiculous that season. And I think that on its own was like, oh, okay. Obviously it wasn't just Kawhi. They still had this ridiculous supporting cast in place that, that you know, obviously improved and there was internal growth from 2019 to 2020. But there was like a very clear incredible roster sort of hidden beneath the shadow of Kawhi Leonard the whole time, even if people maybe didn't want to realize it early on. But even then, like the season where Kawhi was, you know, what what was their record when he sat? It was like 17 and two or something crazy like that. Like they were really good without him. It kind of pointed to that roster being really good. And I think that season of proving that really helped. I would also say like Jimmy Butler emerging as like the dude he's emerged as in Miami, uh, you know, kind of you look back at that series with the Sixers, it's like, holy hell, they survived a six a series against that Jimmy Butler, who was like very much the player that he is today in that series. He was ridiculous. He was their best player. And then Embiid, of course, has gone on to be a co-runner up for MVP. Not the same player that year. He had the gastroenteritis and all that he was dealing with, but I think like that Sixers team in hindsight, a lot of people look at that team as a team that missed a chance to win a title by losing that game seven to the Raptors. And I think that has kind of come into clearer view over the last few seasons. So I think, you know, that helps a little bit as far as like the other thing too, that I think sort of the, the, the knock against the Raptors title, if you will, which uh, listening back to that episode we recorded the day after we dismissed any notions of, Oh, well they, they beat an unhealthy warriors team. It's not real. Cause that's dumb. And because you know, dudes get hurt all the time and that's just the way the playoffs go. You know, that warriors team still had Steph Curry. They still had clay Thompson until, you know, 16 minutes left in game six. They had Draymond. They had a, a much more spry version of Andre Iguodala than they have now, even though he was not at his peak necessarily. Um, you know, I, I think that Warriors team, in hindsight, now that they're on the verge of winning another title, obviously with Andrew Wiggins in tow this time, but still the same core pieces, you know, building the whole thing from the ground up. You know, do you find that the whole like notion of them winning because the Warriors were injured, like it never held a lot of water to me ever, but when you factor in the fact that this Warriors team now is a title contender once again, and also the fact that like every team last year dealt with like fortunate injury luck to get to the finals and under the conference finals and the bubble season was its own weird thing where everything was fake anyway. <laughs> um, like, do you think that's kind of helped get rid of that perception that the Raptors only won because KD got hurt? I think for me, that's just one of those things where I don't really care for the people who do think that way sure it's dumb it's very dumb <laughs> injuries are just a part of sport and you can literally go down the list of series that have been impacted right yeah. there's there's the one uh you know uh, where the warriors win the title and Kyrie and kevin lover hurt then there's uh, then it went back the other way where you know the warriors 
play w- without Draymond in that uh, game after he gets suspended for kicking LeBron. And so then there's that conversation. And then, uh, you know, you think about uh, when the Lakers won their title uh, against the Celtics and Kendrick Perkins missed that game. You think about yeah. uh, the Spurs, you know, on their way to winning the title, uh, getting past the Suns with, uh, you know, that garbage suspension that happened. And, you know, <laughs> okay, well, that uh, that that example is, is excluded. That that was just <laughs> the NBA what, stepping you, in. That was, that was not an Look at us with the Canadian bias once again. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't an injury. But, you know, you go down history and literally every year there's going to be something. And that's just part of of the way sports is and that's why we have these conversations about it but it just is what it is and um again uh to the point about injuries when the golden state warriors went ahead and signed kevin durant yeah when you bring another max contract on the roster and that supreme talent you are doing it by forsaking depth sure sure and so the Raptors had the depth to get through an entire postseason run where, you know, OG Ananobi having an appendectomy mm-hmm. didn't even factor in, right? Mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet um, struggles for the first two rounds and they have another piece they can choose to go big with Marcus All and Serge Ibaka. And so that's just uh, how every year plays out and the team that's best equipped to deal with it emerges. Hundred percent. I'm I'm totally with you. I think the whole injury thing is just so tired and stupid and like so first takey in general that you know I never lent it much credence at all. I would just argue that you know if you were someone who was sort of on the post of well the Raptors obviously won because KD got hurt and nothing else. Uh, you know, are you going to say that about the Lakers and you know Bam Adebayo in the finals? Are you going to go and say that about you know the Bucks and the and the Suns and their their respective roads to the finals last year? Like. Come on, it's just ridiculous because I think it's been proven pretty comfortably that this is just a thing that happens with everybody. And guess what? Uh, there are 14 other Eastern Conference teams that could have put themselves in the position to beat the yeah. Warriors in that finals, and they did not. So, uh, is anyone saying that about the Celtics right now, where you know, yeah. Chris Middleton <laughs> gets injured in the second round, Kyle Lowry's obviously not himself the next round, Tyler yeah. Harrow is hurt, like. If anything, they almost lost to those busted-ass teams, man, which is uh, <laughs> <laughs> its own thing. Uh, we're going to continue on. I actually want to talk about just the roster itself and the way it's developed and how that, I think, has kind of lent to uh, some pretty warm feelings about how ridiculously stacked that team was, at least in my brain, and I think to other people, sort of general observers. We'll get to that in one sec. I also want to dig into what kind of trends maybe the Raptors helped inspire. That's another sort of hallmark of a, you know, a memorable champion is, did it change the way the game is played at all we'll get to that and examine that in just one second but first gotta tell you about our friends over at arcade one up boom shakalaka we've got big news the one the only nba jam is back in arcade one up the leader in at-home retro arcade games is not only bringing you the best game ever back, but they've made it bigger and better than ever with, wait for it, Shack Edition Machine. People are obsessed with NBA Jam, and I'm thrilled to tell our listeners that you can once again play hoops with NBA legends in this arcade classic, jump clear across the court, set the ball on fire in one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. Complete, compete with friends and family 
through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards as well, making you more connected than ever. Pre-order now from Arcade1up.com. That's Arcade, the number one, and up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Arcade 1UP is the place for fun. They've got even more classes like Golden Tea, Mortal Kombat, and many more starting at just $399. What a wonderful gift idea this is. Uh, if you were looking to buy me a gift and looking to splurge, this would be the thing I would ask for. Uh, because video games rock and NBA Jamified video games are the very best. You're talking to a guy who spent the whole weekend playing Super Mario Strikers on the Switch that just released because NBA Jamifying Sports rocks. Check this out. They're giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to a Locked On listener as well for a chance to win. You can uh, get a single game console for your man cave or your or whatever. It doesn't have to be your man cave, your person cave uh, over at arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade, the number one up.com slash locked on. You've got till July 8th to enter to win the NBA Jam Shack edition console. That's arcade1up.com slash locked on. Don't miss out. Enter today. Who are you going to play with? If you want to invite me over, I would gladly join you. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we continue on here talking about the Toronto Raptors NBA Championship in 2019, how it's aged. I think it's pretty undeniable looking back at that roster, Big V, that... Uh, the sort of quality of that team has aged quite gracefully, I would argue. Uh, of course, Kawhi Leonard was the main figure. We knew Kyle Lowry was kind of at the peak of his powers, if maybe kind of on the backside of his super-duper peak in 2016-17, even though he kind of recaptured it again in 2019-20. Um, obviously, Pascal Siakam was making his ascendance. Marcus Saul was uh, a defensive wizard who allowed them to play an incredibly versatile and shape-shifting defense. Fred Van Vliet was a guy who got a freaking finals MVP vote from Hubie Brown and obviously had his ups and downs in the postseason but finished on some enormous ups. Serge Ibaka, Norm Powell, even Chris Boucher played two playoff games in that season. Didn't really get into a lot of action, of course, but he was on that team and has now evolved into a pretty nice player. And then, of course, OG Ananobi didn't even play in the damn thing, which is uh, baffling. And the fact that they did it without him is pretty amazing. The fact that they stopped Giannis Antetokounmpo without OG Ananobi, pretty amazing. Um, what are your thoughts on the way that sort of team back, when you look at the roster now, what pops out to you and how does it sort of, how has it aged in your mind? Yeah, just uh, again, how deep that team was, right? I think it's nuts. It's crazy. <laughs> like Norman Powell was playing at a certain point, sparing minutes. Um, and you think about, say, for example, the Clippers right now, when you look ahead to next season, people are like, oh, Norman Powell is going to be an important part 
coming off yeah. the bench, being that sixth man role or seventh man, whatever it is, giving you 15 plus points off the bench for what should be, if fully healthy, a title contender. Yeah. Um, and so we're just a couple years removed from him not having, uh, you know, a consistent role to him being, you know, potentially an X factor. Uh, he, like you said, OG Ananobi didn't even feature. Um, and he, you look at the value uh, of guys who can do what he does. Um, that would have been immense to have. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, Marcus Sowell and Serge Ibaka are the interesting ones to look at because they pretty much, you know, got to empty uh, on that championship run. Yeah. Um, I mean, Serge <laughs> still had a great follow-up season. That should be said. Yeah. Um, but pretty much since he's moved on to the Clippers, uh, there hasn't been much to write home about. And then we saw with the Bucks, uh, the only time we saw him was garbage time. So, yeah, hopefully that back heals up. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that was that was just a team at the very right time, you know, because you had yeah. uh, the young players ascending. You had the veteran players pretty much at their peak. And, and that's what made that team so special. Right. And, and it also validates that final uh, Marcus all trade. Right. Yeah. Because it was a very much all in situation. You get this, you go for it as hard as you can right now because you don't know what's going to come next year. And Kawhi leaves, like, say, you know, you don't, you, you know, you don't make that trade. You, do, you don't win the championship. And then Kawhi just moves on anyway. Things look very, very different. Totally. Uh, I was just quickly doing some fast math while you were talking there. Uh, I was putting together the amount of money that key members of that team have made since the NBA title in 2019. Uh, I'm not going to count Gasol and Ibaka because they only got kind of minimum deals or MLE deals afterwards. But if you just go through Chris Boucher, Norm Powell, Fred Van Vliet, Danny Green, Marc Gasol, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, by my quick, probably sort of shoddy math, That's $708 million they have made in contracts since that year. Uh, All of them got hella paid, as they should have. (laughs) Even Danny Green's made like 50 million bucks since then. Uh, I think, you know, if there's anything you want to use to sum up how freaking loaded that roster was, that's probably a pretty good place to go. Um, Just a really loaded team, yeah. Just quickly, you know, as you mentioned those names, I'm thinking about how... Even here, maybe we don't give the guys who've remained as much love as we should because, you know, you think about them having their return games and getting those standing ovations and because the title is the lasting memory with them. Yeah. And the guys who've remained have been lumped with that sort of responsibility of, okay, now you've got to go get the next one. Yeah. And, you know, some of the criticisms we've had, whether it's Pascal, Fred, OG, um, you know, maybe we don't hold them in that same light as, 
you know, those other guys who have left where we're just like, oh, those are the guys that won us the championship. It's like, well, these guys did that too. <laughs> yeah, they very much did. Once again, Pascal Siakam hit the game-winning basket. Fred Van Vliet was uh, a monster guarding Supernova. Steph Curry. One of the only people... Like, Look, let's p- pivot this into the conversation about how things have changed since then. Look, I think this happens every year. A team wins a title and it's like, well, this is obviously the way to win a title. I think that's a very silly way. Our friend Hoop Goose actually said this yesterday on Twitter and I just liked it a lot. It was, you know, every year it's like, uh, oh, well, this is the way you win a title. If, if there was one way to win a title, it would be extremely boring to watch the NBA. And so uh, I don't think that you can ever really draw conclusions from one title team as to sort of what it means going forward. But I do think, and this has kind of happened as we've seen the Celtics defense really kind of come into its own this year. I think there's been a lot of calling back to that Raptors defense back from 2019 in terms of how they a guarded the Warriors and the way they sold out to stop Steph Curry and kind of a novel concept with the box and one that got Nick Nurse laughed out of the room for playing a high school defense, but guess what? It worked. Uh, you you know I, I think the fact that they were so shape shifty, the fact that they did try new things in terms of you know allowing you know certain shots in, in particular threes, even though maybe it was 2019-20 where they really kind of lead into their yeah we're just going to let you take threes and have fun with it. Um, you know that was still certainly a part of what they were doing in 2019. I, I think the Raptors defense is going to be that, that thing's going to hold up. It's going to stand the test of time as like an all time great defense. I think even if, you know, maybe the casual first take watcher is never going to think about it. I think like people who are actually like deep in the NBA and, uh, you know, think about this stuff and write about this stuff and, you know, try to plot trends. I do think that Raptors defense is going to stand up very well over the course of time because of how smothering it was and because of how shape-shifty it was and because of the different teams that it was able to shut down. Like, Giannis, the Sixers, and the Warriors, like, that title path is ridiculous, and it's all because the defense was good enough to get them by. Yeah, their offense was also, like, top five as well because the team was nuts, but... Uh, what are your thoughts on the way the defense is going to kind of hold up? And, um, you know, if there have been any changes in the way NBA defense is displayed, you can draw back to that. Please, uh, you know, share what you think about that, too. Yeah, no, I think you already hit on the key points about, you know, the box and one being used and uh, triangle and twos and what, what, whatever schemes it may be. Uh, <clears throat> and then, you know, I think the other thing you look at the way uh, the Raptors look to wreak havoc on defense through deflections and whatnot. I think that's played a more prominent part as well. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I think that part of it uh, is evident for everyone to see. Um, and then, you know, compared to the point I made earlier about how maybe uh, the East Finals series and the NBA Finals series was the best version of that roster and that team. Um, I do think we saw the defense throughout. Right. That's what, that's what, uh, you you know, enabled them even when they weren't at their best to figure things out. And so uh, that was the thing that I don't think can really be replicated. The way they could just, change their defense on a dime someone could call an audible and everyone is in tune that was so special to watch and you're like you think about the guys on that court making you know split second decisions and everyone just falling in line immediately between Marcus Gasol and Kyle Lowry 
and Pascal Siakam, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green or Fred Van Vliet. That that is something that I think we will be very very fortunate to see again. That is the thing that I hold up as you might not see another team be able to pull that off. I totally agree. I, you know, I think the Celtics, that this is why the Raptors have come up, right? Because they've been sort of changing their defense up kind of, you know, game to game. Uh, you know, that they've they've had different looks they've thrown at the Warriors and other teams they've played. But I, I really think I'm with you in that the sort of possession by possession maneuverability, the sort of chameleon qualities they had, that's really tough to replicate. And it only happens when you have five defensive savants out there at the same time. And, you know, the, the, the crazy thing about it is that Marcus all played like 20 regular season games. Like they did not have a lot of time to figure this out. And I think it speaks to how just next level a lot of these guys were in terms of their defensive understanding that they were able to coalesce that quickly. I mean, to go from game one getting torched because you screw up a switch between Gasol and Leonard, two defensive players of the year, and DJ freaking Augustine pours one in on you. Uh, to go from that to what they were by the you know the, you know the third round for example, just really impressive stuff. And again, going to be tough to replicate that. You know they were the number two defense in the league that year next to the Bucks. But I really think people will remember that Raptors defense more than that Bucks defense. I mean that was the one everyone wrote think pieces about, right? Like it, it's you know that that's been a a really sort of big interesting uh thing that's i think kind of carried forward through to, through to today and i think there's going to be a lot of comparisons over the years to their, that raptors defense and you know teams that are trying to replicate what's going on there because you know whatever kind of defense you're playing now guess what the raptors probably played that because they did everything and they did it all over the course of you know single games at, you know in certain times um on the other side we're going to get into some talk just uh parlor game baby we're gonna stack up the raptors against some recent nba champions and we'll determine whether or not the raptors would have beaten that team in how many games we'll get to that in just one second here but first let me tell you better friends over at rockauto.com with the ever increasing number of makes and models that's now impossible for your local chain to stock all the parts that you need not to mention I don't know if you've heard about these gas prices, but they're very high, and you shouldn't be spending extra money on car parts when you have to put all your money in your gas tank. So instead of going to your local chain store to try to find the one part they might have for the price that they have set, go to rockauto.com, use their super handy website, and just plug in your make, model, and year, and the part that you need, and you're going to find exactly what you need with different options there's choice there's lower prices there's different brands and specifications you can choose between and you should just go with the one with the lowest price because that's going to save you money because look driving right now is a nightmare it sucks no one likes to drive it's just a thing you have to do to get to the places you have to go and you should be spending as little money on that as you possibly can so go to rockauto.com save yourself some scratch use that extra money to put in your gas tank or use it for things that aren't driving related that's more fun if you want to do that too perhaps use it on uh you know an arcade machine or something like that either way go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, Big V, let's uh, do some takes, shall we? Uh, we're just going to run back through some recent NBA champions. We're going to stack up the Raptors as they were in the playoffs, so no OG Ananobi on this team. We'll go just purely the guys they had available to them with, oh, 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 bother, Norm Powell's my ninth man, whatever will I do? Uh, we'll get to that and, and sort of uh, see where the Raptors stack up. So let's begin with last year's NBA champions. Actually, let's begin right now with the finals that are going on as it stands. The Warriors and the Celtics, 3-2 Warriors after the game last night. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, look at that guy. What a, what a world we live in. Andrew Wiggins is the star of the finals for a day. Ridiculous. But uh, maybe the people were right when they wanted to tank for Wiggins back in 2013-14. Am I right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Both of these teams stick the Raptors in. I guess the Warriors would be the one because it's the Western Conference, but you know we can stack them up against the Celtics if you want to. How do you think the 2019 Raptors stack up against both the Celtics and Warriors? Who wins and in how many games? Yeah, I will take uh, the Raptors in either series. Um, and I will say uh, in six games, I, yep. I think. Uh, yeah, I think I give... Uh, the Celtics may be a little less. Celtics might be five. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to hear that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think there's maybe just that lack of discipline um, mm. that the Celtics have that I think the Raptors would have feasted on. Um, and uh, again, you know, I go back to that version of the team that it became in the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals. That is the team that was an absolute juggernaut. Because yeah. um, I think, I think whatever it was that maybe you know that pressure of needing to make it past uh, the second round or whatever it was that was holding back some of the guys, I think that was completely let go after that Sixer series. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I feel pretty confident that the Raptors would beat either team. How about you? Yeah, I mean, the Warriors, it is not a totally dissimilar team from the one they actually beat. Obviously, Wiggins is a different element, of course, but I think Clay and Draymond are probably lesser versions of themselves than they were back then. So I would probably take the Raptors in five or six. And then the Celtics, yeah, like, this would be a really interesting one. The scores in these games would be like 85-80 probably, like really, really incredible defenses. Maybe the two best defenses of the last... I don't know, like two best playoff defenses of the last five years, 10 years, something like that. Like they were both ludicrous good defenses, not to undercut anything the Warriors have done on defense over the last decade because they've also been insane. But just that would, I think, really come down to like whose offense made the fewest mistakes and give me the offense where Kyle Lowry's kind of orchestrating things over the one where Jason Tatum is kind of forced to be like the full-time point guard because there's just not a lot in terms of reliable creation without turning the ball over and booting it around on the other side. And I'm also just imagining, like thinking about the way the Raptors guarded Giannis and look, Ch Jason Tatum's a different beast, right? Cause he's a better shooter and all of that, but he's not, 
the playmaker that Giannis was even back then, I would argue. And I, I think that would probably lead to the Raptors making Jason Tatum's life pretty miserable over the course of that series between Siakam and Green and uh, obviously Kawhi as sort of the main guy guarding him. I feel like that's probably cutting off the head of the offense for the Celtics quite a little bit. So uh, I'm going to go Raptors over the Celtics in five in that one. Let's go to last year's Bucks, who were... Obviously a good team, but also got a lot of fortune, <laughs> good fortune on their way from Kevin Durant's feet being too big to getting the Hawks in the conference finals because the Sixers wet themselves so badly. Um, where do you think against that title team, the Raptors would stack up? Yeah, I think that would be a phenomenal series. Yeah, I, th- I think no when... Drew Holiday in 2019. So like replace Eric Bledsoe with Drew Holiday and you got yourself something cooking. And again, I think there's sort of that maturation process where Giannis, what, what he's become since that series against the Raptors, mm-hmm. right? That that was like an important part of his growth. So you're throwing that in. You're throwing the dude that, you know, putting up a 50-piece to clinch it. Um, I think that would be an absolute pick em series. Uh, seven games. Um Man, that one's tough. I, I'll, a toss-up situation, I'm just going to go Raptors, man. This is a Lockdown Raptors podcast. You're damn right. Uh, let's pander, <laughs> baby. I also think it's – I would probably take Raptors in six as well because the Bucks' offense last year wasn't very good, right? Like it was – they got by on their defense being incredible. And I think that Raptors offense just like had more to go to than that that Bucks offense did. As great as Chris Middleton was and as great as Drew Holiday was, like they had their struggles and they had their ups and downs. And I don't know if they make it to the finals if uh, you know Kevin Durant his you know his foot's on the line. Like they they probably lose to the Bucks there. Uh, you know, and even if the, the the Nets aren't fully injured all, all the damn time and they have all their guys, like I think that probably goes Brooklyn's way as well. So we're not we're not we're not using the injuries argument though. I know we're not, not doing the injuries argument. Use, Look, they won the title for sure. <laughs> yeah. They won the title, but I do think that there were some factors that, that kind of allowed them to get to the finals a little bit more smoothly, and it it just I, I think their offense would probably have struggled quite a bit against that Raptors defense. So I will say Raptors over Bucks. Let's go to the bubble, shall we? Look, this is an interesting one because the Raptors were uh, minutes away from making it to the final, uh, the Eastern Conference final against that Heat team. Whether they Seconds. beat that Heat team, Seconds I don't even. know. Seconds, yes. Uh, I don't know whether they beat that team necessarily because that Heat team was just kind of on a weird bubble heater. But I think there were certainly some matchup advantages that you looked at. And I think a lot of people were like, man, just get through the Celtics and maybe they're in the finals. Um, and of course, the Lakers have LeBron and AD. Do the 2019 Raptors beat the LA Lakers in uh, in, in the bubble in 2020? Yes. Yeah. Uh, they they get the ultimate revenge of Lebronto and, and sweep the <laughs> Lakers in the finals. <laughs> no, I, I think the Raptors that the 2019 Raptors. I think I'm pretty convincingly taking the Raptors against that Lakers team. Um, yeah. I I, I think uh, this is the part where. That tasting of a championship and what that does for your confidence, like like look at look at Giannis since winning the title, man. The, oh yeah, the guys just talking about 
you know, eating Oreos and, (laughs) and that's kind of what the Raptors were in 2019, 20. Oh yeah. And then they did not give a damn. They were uh, just like, yeah, we got nothing to prove. We're going to destroy you now. Have fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then you add Kawhi uh, to that mix. Yeah. Yeah. I I really liked the Raptors (laughs) uh, that year for sure. Yeah, especially with all the load management Kawhi would have gotten during the lockdown. Uh, so fresh coming in. <laughs> just uh... Look, straight up, purely from a basketball standpoint, that was one of the free, worst decisions a free agent has made. This is what I wanted to finish off on. We can talk about the... the I don't know if the Raptors beat like the fully functional Kevin Durant Warriors the two previous years before they win. Fine, we'll give them that. And also probably lose to the Cavs in the 2016 finals, I would also say, if LeBron and Kyrie are pulling rabbits out of hats the way they did in that series. Um, but, like, I am curious... Do the Raptors have another title between that, like from twenty nineteen between now and then, then and now, uh, if Kawhi sticks around? Like, obviously, you know he's had injuries, and you don't know the butterfly effect of it all. Like, would he have been injured if he was in Toronto? And blah 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 blah. blah. It's it's really hard to say. Impossible, frankly. But just in terms of like roster construction, in terms of you know, obviously, I would I would assume there would have been some other casualties of the salary management and whatnot had Kawhi stuck around. So you have to factor that in too. Um, you know, where are you at in, in terms of how many titles would the Raptors have? How many finals appearances would the Raptors have if they had kept the band together after that title? I feel pretty confident saying that the Raptors would have got the next one. Yeah. Um, after that is hard to say, uh, I feel confident that there was probably another East finals in there. Yeah. Um, but again, you get into like seedings and what the matchup would have been in the semis and all that type of stuff. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, they'd still be contenders. That's, that's basically what it is. Um, and yeah, they'd be contenders the whole way through, uh, in terms of number of finals, I don't know. In terms of titles, you know, including the 2019 one, I think they've got two in the bag mm-hmm. uh, and maybe three. Like, can you, man, can you imagine this city if the Raptors are going for a three-peat? Um, I mean, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Technically, they wouldn't have been here. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> imagine that would have sucked. <laughs> imagine how good our feelings about Tampa would have been if Kawhi Leonard was destroying souls in Tampa for a full season, huh? Uh, <laughs> actually, yeah. Tampa's great. They should split their time there. Uh, how about that? <laughs> um, Scotty Barnes wouldn't be on the team. That There's that. I don't know yeah. if, uh, you know, the titles yeah. I think would probably be worth the trade-off, but that's also something to consider as well. I, I guess uh, let's leave on this. I kind of have made the argument that not all titles are created equal, right? And, you know, for example, I think like the bronze title in 2016, I value that title a lot more than uh, some others just because even his heat title. The Lakers like The Lakers, sure, yeah. Uh, (laughs) That one too. Um, Just because it was so, like, dramatic and overcame this Warriors monster, literally inspired the Warriors to go and sign Kevin Durant because they couldn't get past LeBron James in the finals. Um, Like, that is sort of an all-timer. I, I think that Mavs title stands out as like a particularly memorable one as a one-off. 
Where are you at on the idea of like a single title run can in fact maybe stand the test of time better than a team that goes back to back or something like that? Obviously, when you get dynastic, that's always just going to be for the annals of the history books or whatever. But, you know, I don't know if back to back really counts as dynastic necessarily. Um, you know, you've got like the Lakers titles, for example, in 09 and 10. Like, I don't really know if anyone looks at that as a dynasty. It was just kind of like a weird in-between part of the league um, before the the Heatles all got together. Where are you at in terms of that Raptors title on its own kind of having a little bit more juice to it than some others we've seen? Just because of, A, all that went into it. Of course, the playoff run itself had so many enormous flashpoints and memorable games and huge sort of highlight moments that I don't think recent title runs in terms of the Bucks and the Lakers actually had necessarily like those I think are a little bit more obviously I remember the things more because I'm a Raptors guy but just objectively I, I think some of the stuff that happened in that Raptors title run was just so magical that we haven't quite seen anything like that in a title run since and I don't know how many we've actually seen that had that much going on in terms of drama and intrigue over the course of the full run yeah I think I would say that obviously the 17 and 18 version of the warriors was better yeah but uh it, like they were a better team but i think the probably raptors the best team are... ever assembled like that that's yeah it's fine to say yeah and but i think the raptors run was more memorable uh in that you know or it, it's better remembered the way you sort of remember the maps title right right and and i think uh one team that's really interesting and when you suggested uh this idea for the podcast that i've been thinking about uh is what would it be like to watch this that 2019 team go up against the 2014 spurs that's juicy because like that might be the best basketball we've ever seen you get bizarre like team young Kawhi and old Kawhi in this situation, or is one Kawhi yeah. chosen for? And like... you, you get you get you get <laughs> supernova Danny versus uh, no Nova Danny, <laughs> almost throwing it away or giving it away in Game Six, yeah. Danny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that would have been some phenomenal basketball to watch, um, and uh, and then you know on the on the other side of it when you talk about that 2016 Cavs team and what that meant to LeBron and how you value that yeah. uh, versus how you value, you know, the 2012 and 13 heat. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what would it look like for that 2012 heat team or heck even that 2012 uh, OKC team that was in the finals yeah. going up against this Raptors team. And Ooh, you get the two, too. you get you get the two versions of Serge Ibaka. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that stuff is fun to play. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I think, uh, I think when you asked about what the distinguishing characteristic is of this uh, 2019 Raptors team, mm -hmm. uh, I think that's how maybe you place them in history, right? And so. You know, the Heatles have their place in history. The KD Warriors have their place in history. LeBron winning one for Cleveland has this place. And I think the Raptors, the 2019 Raptors, as this defensive juggernaut, mm -hmm. um, if you truly appreciate that end of the floor and understand the things that they were doing to sort of shapeshift as quickly as they did, um, 
that's how I'll always remember that team. That, that'll be my favorite part of the team forever. <laughs> yeah. I would also say that team, I think it's sort of reputation and the sort of story of it is boosted by the fact that they made the Kawhi Leonard trade to begin with, right? Like the huge risk that that was. Not that it was that big a risk because, you know, the DeMar thing had clearly run its course a little bit and there was one year left on his deal, et cetera, et cetera. Like that, that was a thing that you were going to probably pivot out of it a year from now anyway. Um, so I, I don't think it was too big of a, you know, a, that big a risk necessarily, but people certainly viewed it as that. And the idea of him leaving for nothing was certainly over the team the entire season and ended up, you know, those fears ended up coming true. But I, I do think the fact that they had that one shot and they did it, it's very rare that a team does it when they get six shots but to do it in the one shot that you had, the one year that your window was truly open, that's pretty amazing as well and something I don't think a lot of teams can claim. Um, so, yeah, just uh, look, look, we're, we're obviously just inundated. They're replaying the damn games all the time on NBA TV just because what else are they going to run on a Wednesday afternoon? We're inundated with the title. We're told about how great the title was all the time by Raptors broadcasts and whatnot. Um, so we understand that there's some rose-colored glasses going on here. But I think if you sort of asked any sort of outsider, there would be a similar sort of positive sentiment. You know, outsiders who know what's up, uh, <laughs> I should say. Um, that, that like, it, it was a pretty special title that should age pretty well going forward and is going to be, I think, one of those titles like the Mavs, like the... Pistons in 04 that are these one-off teams that are sort of beloved and remembered very fondly for all the different reasons that went into it. Um, this was fun, man. I, I appreciate you indulging me in a segment or topic idea that I just popped into my head yesterday. Uh, so thank you for, for chilling and, and chatting. Do you have anything you would like to remember? Uh, re like to report no like like to promote <laughs> god uh promote for the good people out there man <laughs> oh just uh usual stuff man raptors.com complex canada cbc sports and you can follow me on twitter at vivek m jacob excellent you can find me at woodley sean you can subscribe to rate review the podcast wherever you get your podcast it's always appreciated uh and thank you for always making us your first listen of the day go make your second listen of the day locked in nba they'll be breaking down game five of the nba finals and teeing up game six as well that'll be a lot of fun and uh thank you uh as always for tuning in we'll talk to you again on wednesday probably a mailbag show coming up then uh your your camera's mirrored we can't even read that what is they, i think he's wearing his Gotham shirt from the conference finals that's good uh <laughs> but that will do it we'll talk to you again wednesday with another episode of lockdown raptors until then bye bye Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.